In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For some reason, the field hands are baffled that there are weeds among the crops. Clearly, we are in a parabolic garden, not a real one. From my experience of gardening, weeds are the most likely thing to happen. They don't surprise anyone. But the field is the world, and the good crops and weeds point toward people. Those who are good and bring forth good, and those who don't. How did they get here? How did we get here, if we're being honest? A full accounting of evil would require far more than a sermon can provide, and in this preacher's defense, Jesus himself simplifies it. An enemy has done this, and moves on from why to what do we do next? Within the beauty of creation, and despite the full dignity of humanity, there are forces at work that, in the words of the baptismal covenant, corrupt and destroy, that rebel against God's purposes. Things are amiss in this world and in us, and if weeds surprise the farmhands, we should look at ourselves and our world with a far more discerning perspective. Paul's reflection on hope takes seriously the presence of evil within the world, and even within the created order. There aren't many people who haven't known sufficient suffering in this world to make them question their faith and struggle with its promise. When Paul insists we are saved by hope, it is not some blind optimism that things are all just fine. Serious hope is absolutely aware of how troubled and weed-infested this field might be, and yet remains convinced that it is God's creation, that in Christ God has shared this world's life and even our death, remains convinced that God's Holy Spirit is at work in us, hope looks towards a day when what began in God's love is fulfilled in us and for all creation. The sufferings of this present time, Paul says, and he is no less aware than you or I, the sufferings of this present time are far outweighed by the glory that will be. But there are moments when that cannot be heard probably when it shouldn't be said because people aren't ready to hear it, when suffering is so intense that it's too soon to point ahead, it is still the promise that we carry, that our hearts and minds need to hear. There is glory to be revealed. God is at work. We are saved in hope. Christians look towards glory despite present reality. Weeds, and then the parable takes a second turn. If there are weeds, then the field hands are ready to deal with them. I spent enough time in gardens and flower beds to know that if you leave weeds alone, they are going to choke out, cover over, and outproduce whatever you planted. Best to get out there and start pulling weeds sooner rather than later. And just as you are ready with gardening gloves and a sharpened hoe, the owner says, wait. You wouldn't let a three-year-old loose to pull weeds from among seedlings. Wait, the owner says. You might pull up seedlings and disrupt the roots. When harvest comes, it will be obvious what has produced good, wholesome fruit and what is noxious or useless. God's patience 
is one of the points of surprise and even frustration. Why would you let the weeds grow? Well, weeds don't actually produce tomatoes, and kudzu is going to take over the field, so we're not talking about agriculture, but about the human community and about God's abiding love for each of us and for all of us. In another agricultural parable, Jesus describes someone who wants to cut down a non-producing fig tree. No, wait, he says. Let it have another year, sufficient fertilize, water, sun, and we'll see. And when we're too quick to render a final judgment on others, if not ourselves, to hell with what we want to say, to hell with you we want to say, remember the parable of the prodigal son, the welcoming father, and that angry elder brother. He had no use for the father's mercy or his wasteful brother. Patience seems to be God's way with us and with others. And it becomes a firm basis for hope when we know ourselves in need of repentance and renewal. And it might leave us less quick to yank out what we think of as weeds. The time between planting and harvest leaves the field hands, the elder brothers, maybe us, deeply anxious. Look at that messy, mixed-up world of good and evil, of people trying or not trying, reaching towards God or turning in on themselves and towards e against each other. We could fix it, we think. And God says, wait. The Spirit works within us, helping us to know what leads towards growth and goodness and what makes for waste and evil. The Holy Spirit makes use of this time, bearing witness within our hearts and minds, that this moment is full of possibility, that we are full of possibility, that there is reason, despite it all, even in the worst of it, to live in hope, to call out to God, Abba, with trust and confidence. But Jesus isn't done disrupting things yet. Those angels at the end of the interpretation, they're not the Christmas pageant tinsel haloed angels that we like. These are apocalyptic sword-wielding, punishment-executing angels. This is not the only parable in Matthew's gospel that ends with a clear and defining separation. You probably remember that great line, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. That parable ends with a separation of sheep and goats. Actually, it's sheep and goats. I never get left and right wrong. Right straight on that one. It ends up with a separation of sheep and goats, and it doesn't end well for goats. Parables often end with doors closed. Separations announced, or elder brothers outside and fuming. Our free will can insist on its way and hold itself back from God's mercy and from the banquet that mercy provides for prodigals. So we need to square hope with these angels sent out at the harvest. And it's not just the parables. The creeds also insist that Christ is in glory, and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead, Hope stands before Christ, his redeemer, friend, teacher, healer, and judge. That's actually far less extreme or daunting an image than we might think at first. The creeds only get to Christ as judge after reminding us who Christ is and what he has done for us. This is not a vindictive tyrant anxious to find infractions against convoluted or arbitrary standards. The one who judges knows us, 
knows our lives, understands our journeys who are clearer than we, and the judgment is only to bring us to the fullness of who we are created to be in God's own imagination and image. Wait, the owner says, until it's all clear, until we know how it's all turned out. And who can know how deeply God hopes for us to turn towards him? The agricultural image does break down here because in God's grace, we are capable of transformation. Weeds do become healthy, producing fruit. Mercy creates new beginnings. Grace strengthens us for lives of purpose. We ask the right questions and find insights into what God's presence makes possible. We're already standing in the light of that final judgment. The truth calls us to change or give strength or clarifies the next step, and that is already being known for who we are and who we are in God's imagination. That is the Holy Spirit at work in us now. Who can fear judgment? We've learned to think that clearly about ourselves now. And if that causes us to see hard truths, or face challenges in our lives, that is part of what Paul writes about when he says we groan inwardly as we wait for the fullness of what God is doing in and through us and through creation. For each of us, there is the worst thing that we've ever done, but turn towards God and there is mercy and renewal. Whatever that worst is, grace makes us so much more than that. Cling to the worst that is in you, refuse the word of judgment that is the word of mercy, and things don't change. You can't change. But we live in hope, and hope knows that God is at work in and through us. The parable ends with a promise that might be as unexpected as all those other turns it's, had, it's taken us through. We're talking about far more than agricultural produce here, but we're talking about each of us, about humanity, and as surely as fields are planted for a purpose, you, all of us, are created for glory. The parable ends, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. Wherever we stand, no matter how hard or confusing this moment, between seed time and harvest, we are aimed towards God's own future. And it is brighter and more joyful than we can imagine. To shine like the sun. Weeds? That I can imagine. But God's glory reflected in and through us, that is grace and gift and reason to hope. The parables and our gracious God are always upending our expectations and giving far more than we can ask or imagine. Amen.